welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about the coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest cozy mystery releases. We'll be diving into the latest episode after these quick messages. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. If you want to help support the podcast, be sure to join our Patreon. We have different tiers to choose from to get weekly exclusive episodes, membership in our book club, and podcast merch. You can even choose the coziest supporter tier and receive a monthly Get Cozy book box, which includes one paperback copy of your choice from a selection of books by Get Cozy podcast guest authors. To join, visit patreon.com slash getcozypodcast. You can also sign up for our newsletter to have a list of the week's coziest mystery deals delivered right to your inbox every Monday. We do get a commission for all books bought through our links, so by buying books, you're supporting the podcast. Sign up on our website, getcozypod.com, and while you're there, be sure to check out our podcast merch. Finally, if you'd like to donate to the show on a one-time or recurring basis, you can do that via Venmo at getcozypod. Thanks so much for your support. You listeners are the heart of the show, and I couldn't do any of it without you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. Welcome to another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. We have a really special episode in store for you today. The books we're talking about have been such a bright spot for me in the past month, so I'm so thrilled to have the author of The Flower House Mysteries with us today. Jess Dillon is an environmental attorney by day and author by night. A lifelong mystery lover, she's thrilled to write fun, cozy mysteries, including the Flower House Mysteries under the name Jess Dillon and the Wiccan Wheel Mysteries under the name Jennifer David Hess. In her spare time, she enjoys hanging out with her family, hiking in the woods, practicing yoga, and reading old Nancy Drew books. So welcome to the show, Jess. Hi, Christy. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you today and to chat about these amazing books. Um, We're going to be talking all about the Flower House Mysteries, Manifestation, and Cozies with Loads of Southern Charm. So do you want to start the conversation just by telling our listeners what this series is all about? Yeah, sure. So the Flower House Mysteries follows Sierra Ravenswood, who is a young woman who wanted to be a singer-songwriter in Nashville, um, but that didn't quite work out. So she moves back to her hometown, which is a small town called Aryville in Tennessee. Um, And she had worked as a part-time florist uh, when she lived there. So she goes back to work um, for the Flower House, which is a flower shop in a Victorian mansion. Um, But then she doesn't necessarily intend to stay, but her boss is this eccentric old guy named Felix who just decides to retire and he kind of disappears and leaves the shop to her um, for her to decide what to do with it. So 
that's kind of how she ends up in charge of this flower shop. And um, it's, you know, a perfect little setting, I guess, for um, her to kind of figure out what she wants to do. And, um, of course, you know, she encounters mysteries along the way. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, that's kind of the setup. Yeah, and, you know, I just absolutely adore this series. It's definitely, like, a comfort read for me, and I think I'll be rereading these books many times over because this series just, like, radiates warmth and positivity, just like your main character, Sierra, does, and it's truly just a lovely series. Thank you. Fatal Flowers just came out on May 24th, so can readers expect more installments in Sierra Ravenswood's adventures? Uh, well, I do hope so. I would say, unfortunately, the publisher decided not to proceed with additional books uh, right now in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I never say never. I I did have plans, and we'll see. You know, I think readers are still discovering the books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think if there's enough reader interest, then, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be keeping our fingers crossed. And I've seen so many uh, series lately where the publishers haven't continued. And then um, due to reader support, the authors have either started publishing independently or they've been picked up with another publishing house once they get the rights back. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I would love more books in the series. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you never know. I mean, obviously, I did have some ideas for future books and book four was going to be called dial mum for murder so i'm excited to write that one that's cute i love that cozy titles are just the best yeah for sure so one thing i absolutely adored about this series is the flower shop setting because it is just so beautiful and vibrant and being a flower shop owner certainly does seem like one of those cozy careers that we readers of the genre would just love so why did you choose a flower shop specifically yeah, so it's funny, actually. That was my editor's idea. Oh. Um, it, it wasn't even mine originally. I, I did have an idea for this series that uh, was going to be set in a New Age bookshop. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I, so I kind of had a little bit of the, the setting and the characters and the storyline fleshed out. But um, when my, you know, and my editor really liked that, but she, I guess, thought that the publisher could use um, a mystery in a flower shop. This publisher didn't have that. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas there are already a lot of bo- uh, books set in bookshops. So it was her idea and I was totally open to it. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I love flowers. Who, who doesn't love flowers? And mm-hmm. it wasn't too hard really to kind of switch gears and reframe the story to take place there. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. And you know, there's certainly like something romantic about a flower shop setting. And you know, I'm sure there's actually when it comes to the day to day work, there's a lot more stressors than we would, you know, realize outside of the job. But the idea of being surrounded by plants and flowers and just like that soothing scent all day does seem delightful and definitely cozy. But I would love to read a book uh, set in a new age bookstore. I haven't read one of those specifically yet. That sounds amazing. Yeah, you never know. Maybe someday. Yeah. So how much research did you have to do on floriography and flower arrangement to write Sierra's story? 
Uh, so quite a lot. Um, I mean, I obviously love flowers and, and always, you know, would enjoy um, buying flowers, maybe growing flowers in the backyard. But um, I never worked in a flower shop myself. And, I, you know, I had to do a lot of, lot of research. Most of it was online, um, just, you know, in terms of how to arrange flowers. And um, there is... Um, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of symbolism with flowers. Um, mm-hmm. Floriography is the, na- the the language of flowers. And so um, it was really fun to kind of look into that and, and think about when arranging flowers, you know, if you want to impart a certain message um, to whoever you're giving the flowers to or just to kind of uplift a place, then you can think about, the different colors and the, the history and the meaning behind them. So that was really interesting. That's so cool. It's like flowers have their own uh, like language and meaning. That's so neat. I would love to learn more about that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And in, in the second book, um, you know, someone is mysteriously leaving um, poppies uh on doorsteps and uh, in the first book someone leaves um, black roses which obviously that one you know is kind of a dark um threatening kind of thing so Uh yeah yep that was fun i'm sure it's like quite a contrast to to like research all these beautiful flowers and then for the same project you also have to research like murder death homicide investigations (laughs) like your web browser probably has whiplash (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you want it to be realistic um, in terms of the, like, what would it take to run a business, a flower, you know, a flower shop uh-huh. business, and, um, but at the same time, you know, you want the main character to have time to solve mysteries and look for clues, so, uh, and in this flower shop, I had it so that they actually open a cafe of um, edible flowers, themed cafe yeah so I had to do research on that too including trying different recipes and that was a lot of fun oh fun I would love to try some of those recipes that sounds really interesting yeah you never I mean it's not something that you really think about that much like to go to the grocery store and buy petals but you actually can um you can uh cook with rose petals and lavender Mm -hmm. Pansies, like there are all these different. You you definitely need to know what you're doing and don't just go pick flowers in the backyard because right. some are poisonous, um, and you don't want to use flowers that have been sprayed with pesticides. But if you buy them, like culinary flower petals, you can cook with them, and it just adds like a nice subtle flavor. Um, obviously, you can uh, buy herbal teas. Um, some teas have flower petals. Uh huh. So, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's so fun. And we had, so we had a book club meeting a couple weeks ago, and one of our members brought, like, a lavender rosé, and Mm. it was the best wine I think I've ever had. And I definitely, like, thought about your little cafe in the series when we were having our meeting because (laughs) of that specifically. Ooh, yeah, that that would be a great thing to have. So I loved Sierra as a character. I really enjoyed that she's into manifestation and the law of attraction. And I started looking into both of those things while reading this series. And they've actually made a really positive impact in my life and outlook. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that element of the story? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. I love to hear that. That is amazing. Um, yeah, like I said, my original idea was to set the story in a New Age bookstore, and the law of attraction would have um, maybe featured even more prominently. And in my mind, as I was first drafting the mysteries, it was going to be the LOA mysteries, like the oh. law of attraction mystery. Um, that This was before it was a flower shop. But the law of attraction, it's really a... Um, kind of a self-help personal development tool that, um, I, you know, I've read about a lot myself over the years and just found it really um, empowering. It, it's kind of, well, what it is, is that's the concept of like attracts like, and that if you kind of look for the positive and, and just believe things are going to turn out well and, and, um, you know, you can actually, you'll, have, you'll be happier, essentially. Uh, it does get some criticism. I mean, people think that, oh, if you're just going to be a Pollyanna or, you know, bury your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the negative side of it. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be a realistic person and still choose to look on the bright side. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that um, that's this character, Sierra, um, that's sort of her outlook on life. And she um, believes that, you know, if you use like, um, affirmations and, you know, little mantras and kind of get yourself into a place where you um, you have self-confidence because you just kind of envision, you maybe um, visualize yourself doing something and then you can do it. So that's how, you know, before this book started, she... Um, had gone to Nashville to be a singer songwriter and had some success in that. Um, and then it didn't work out. So she had to come back to her hometown, but she still kind of has that uh, perspective on things. And yeah, I think it's, it's a nice kind of a nice way to be. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I loved Sierra's outlook in the, in the books. And I do feel like there's so much power in positivity and in words and in stories And for me personally, I feel like manifestation and the power of attraction kind of makes me believe more in my own ability to make a difference and encourages me even more to try to make a difference in some of the big issues that we face globally. And I do think it's important to take that outlook instead of just kind of like burying your head in the sand, like you said, and um, just kind of hoping that things are just going to work out by themselves. It's more believing in your own power to contribute and then actively taking those actions to contribute as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> I did, I have to say, I also really enjoyed that Sierra and her grandmother have those kind of like woo-woo beliefs in common, but where Sierra is invested in the law of attraction. Her granny's much more into superstition and she's just so entertaining and has some of the funnest little sayings like, always leave a house by the same door you entered else bad luck will follow you out or worry is like a snipe hunt, pointless. So I was wondering, do you have a favorite quote from Granny? Yeah, Granny was a really fun character to write. Um, She, it's really, she... um, has the Sierra do these crazy little things sometimes because Sierra, you know, respects her granny and has learned a lot from her. Um, but at the same time, it does seem kind of silly sometimes. Um, like she, 
Oh, in in book one, um, the murder happens in the flower shop. And so Granny's concerned that the person who was killed, you know, his spirit's not at rest and all these bad things that are happening um, won't um, stop until his spirit is at rest. So she does these little cleansing um, uh, activities, I guess, in the shop and also tells Sierra that she needs to um, go bury a potato in the graveyard and this whole thing. So, <laughs> And then, um, anyway, there are all these just strange little things. Um, so it's not necessarily a quote per se, but she has these beliefs. Um, in the second book, uh, a bird flies in the window and she says that, you know, that means someone's going to die, basically. And... Um, of course, someone doesn't have died, and that further, um, I don't know, just kind of strengthens Granny's beliefs that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's truth to these superstitions. Oh my goodness, I I loved that so much, and she was just definitely one of my favorite characters that I've read all year in Cozies. I feel like she could carry her own spinoff series. So oh, wow. yeah, I'm just gonna Thank go you. ahead and put that out in the universe right now. Like yeah. I am here for a Granny yeah. spinoff. <laughs> yeah, she was so fun. I was lucky to have two grandmothers, one who's still living, um, and then my, my dad's mother passed away a number of years ago. Uh-huh. But she. she um, I don't, I think she's a little, there's a little bit of her in this granny in terms of her, um, oh, just kind of uh, love, how lovable she was and her voice. I hear her voice a little bit in in Uh granny and um, yeah, just being, um, oh, cheerful and, you know, having the superstitions a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that probably like makes her feel all the more authentic as a character for us as readers, just because you have kind of drawn inspiration from your own grandmother. That's so neat. Yeah. Yeah. So I also thought that the geocaching and treasure hunt elements in your series were a lot of fun. So are you into geocaching yourself? You know, I learned about that from a cousin, one of my cousins, he and his parents uh, have done this for years. Um, I, you know, when I first heard about it, I thought that it was just the coolest thing where, Mm -hmm. um, there's this network of people who, you know, using GPS, um, uh, coordinates will do both. They'll hide the treasures and then they'll find, you know, what other people have hidden, um, just all over the country and, you know, in cities and in, in the countryside. And, um, it just, it sounded so neat. So, I've not really done it myself, though I have come upon a cache before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, once in a, in a cemetery, actually. Wow. Um, and so I kind of you know, realized what it was and left it alone. Um, but people will leave little notes and just little trinkets. And I just thought it was a really cool concept. Um, but I have always been kind of um, intrigued, I guess, by the idea of treasure hunts. And when I was a kid, I would even kind of make up treasure hunts for my younger brothers and sisters and their friends by, um, you know, just getting a piece of paper and like drawing the map, kind of like a pirate treasure map. And then, yeah, hiding little clues around the neighborhood. And so that was fun. But in the the book, um, yeah, the uh, Felix character who goes, who leaves the flower shop, he goes out west on this mysterious treasure hunt. And that actually was based on a real thing. 
um, called the Fen Treasure. I don't know if you heard of that. I haven't. Yeah. So there was this guy, um, an art dealer and an author um, out West who he hid a treasure, like a cache of jewels and gold um, in the Rocky Mountains. And he put some clues in a poem in one of his books. And this started a basically a years long treasure hunt. The people um, for about 10 years, I think from 2010 to 2020. Um, and actually, sadly, some people died. I think. Oh no. Um, yeah. Just because going out into the wilderness, trying to find this treasure. Um, somebody actually did find it. This was true. Um, a couple of years ago it was found, but it, it, yeah, just so wild that someone actually hit a treasure and, um so that's why i thought okay you know maybe it's you know not so crazy that Felix would have gone off to try to find this treasure that's fascinating that kind of sounds like something that you would find in like a cozy mystery right like the instead of doing recipes at the end the author puts in a a treasure hunt like that would be so much fun but you know like maybe a a safer one so yeah like a scavenger hunt or something yeah that would be so cool yeah that's a good idea yeah and I you know I we tried geocaching once and it was a lot of fun uh we had a great time but unfortunately we we found the location and then the the actual prize was gone so kind of like you said somebody probably like didn't know what it was and just picked it up but it was still really fun so I I really thought that was a cute little element in the story yeah thank you I I really should do it um yeah one of those things that you know kind of you just have to make the effort. I just got to go online to you know, uh-huh. find the website, find the clues and yeah, go there's, try it. There's an app and like, it's such a fun, like little like date night activity or a little family activity. So you should, you should definitely try it. It's a good time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I have to say that this series just has some of the most gorgeous covers I've seen in Cozy Mysteries. I love the the colors, the aesthetic, the adorable little corgi, and I love having them on my shelf. So did you have any input on how those covers were going to look? Um, I, I did get to see uh, sneak peeks before, you know, they were finalized, uh-huh. um, but I just love them. So um, they I agree with you that the story and the the setting really lends itself to beautiful covers mm-hmm. uh, but i have to give you know total credit to the the artist the cover illustrator alan ayers and the cover designer danielle christopher um it was really all of them they they put these together and yeah i agree they, they are beautiful Oh, they are. They're definitely like the uh, the books that you put face out on your bookshelf. Yeah. They're so cute. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Aryville is just like the quintessential small, cozy community. And I felt that the Southern setting really added to the overall vibe of the book. So why did you choose a Southern town for the series? Well, so when I was thinking about the setting, I actually started with the idea of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up in central Illinois where it's very flat and there, you know, nothing but cornfields. And, um, so for me, you know, mountains are kind of exotic and mysterious. And, um, I had visited, um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee a couple of times and gotten, you know, to go hiking in the Smoky Mountains and just really loved it. So I felt that, 
you know, it was a good setting just because of the kind of the history um, and folklore aspects. And I did start with Granny, like we were saying, as, you know, one of the, I knew there was going to be the Granny character. And I mm-hmm. liked the idea of her living in the mountains. So, and I guess uh, the reason I, you know, picked the Tennessee, you know, Appalachian Mountains was because it just felt more, um, I guess, closer to my my own home. Like, even though I grew up in Illinois, it was not that far away. You know, you could drive there mm-hmm. in a day or so. Um, but, yeah, it was just a perfect place to have, like, a charming little small town, um, you know, in the shadow of the mountains. I That's, love that. We live yeah. um, in Utah, so we're surrounded by the Rocky Mountains. Oh, and I yeah. love mountains. Like, they're just – there's something very magical – about them I feel like people are usually drawn to like either mountains or the the ocean um and yeah I I'm definitely a a mountain person so I loved that setting oh yeah for sure and I did like the like the slower kind of slower pace and the the deep sense of community that you do kind of see in like books set in the south um and we often don't get to see that in cities or honestly in a lot of other places anymore and I felt like like that really lent itself well to the genre and just added like another level of cozy vibes to your stories oh yeah thank you yeah for sure there's you know gonna be um like you said, a close knit community, and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's so fun. That's one of the most fun things about the cozy mystery is that you can. You know, there's a big feeling of nostalgia that you can um, infuse in the stories. Yeah, with the, the little small downtown, the the cafe where everybody knows each other. <laughs> it's a great place to set a cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any recommendations for other cozy mysteries that are set in the South? Um, because there are so many. Um, Diane Kelly has a few different series. She has the house flipper mysteries that are in Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, and she has a new series called the Mountain Lodge Mysteries that are in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I just read the first one called Get Away with Murder. So, you know, that's... Again, you know, with the mountains, very cool. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually just started a, a series. It's not new, but a long-running series called The Magical Bakery Mysteries by Bailey Cates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it takes place in Savannah, Georgia. So I'm not that far into it, but I really like her writing, and it can tell this is going to be a really fun series. That is awesome. I, uh, speaking of Diane Kelly, I just started reading her Moonshine Shack, the second book of her Moonshine Shack series, and I love it. So that's, that's funny that you mentioned her as well. She's definitely Mm. one, the one that comes to mind for me when I think about Southern mysteries. Yes. That's on my to be read list for Uh sure. (laughs) Oh, they're so fun. And then I would also definitely recommend Bayou Book Thief by Ellen Byron. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's got this almost, like, southern gothic feel to it while definitely still embracing, like, all things cozy. It's set in New Orleans at a culinary museum, and it's all about, like, a vintage cookbook collector and museum curator, and it is just such a fun read. Oh, awesome. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, definitely. So back to your books, though. Um, The romance in the series is just adorable. The love interest is definitely someone readers would consider to be a bit of a cinnamon roll character, and I thought he was so cute and charming. So can you tell our listeners more about Calvin? 
Yeah, sure. So he, Calvin is um, a bit of a science nerd. I mean, he's um, he was a botany professor. Uh, so he's, he's, he's cute. He wears glasses. He's um, prone to um, making puns, like <laughs> goofy flower plant puns. Uh, but there's definitely more than meets the eye. I mean, when he first shows up, um, so there's an apartment above the flower shop, um, and you know Felix leaves and Calvin shows up, and um, you know he says, "Well, Felix, you know, rented me the apartment," and um, you know Sierra, you know, didn't know. Felix is very um, you know, forgetful, and so she was like, "Okay," and and I don't want to give anything away, but. Um, yeah, there, there's more to him than meets the eye, but he's very, um, you know, like he, like you said, he, he is kind of funny and kind mm-hmm. and, and sweet. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a little spark there from the beginning, and uh, he's good with Gus the dog, and yeah, so <laughs> yeah, Which is always like the most important thing. I just I adored Calvin. He's like the kind of love interest that like as a reader you might not like fall in love with him the first time you see him on the page and your love for him just kind of like creeps up throughout the series and so it's kind of fun to experience those like vicarious developing feelings alongside Sierra. Yeah yeah that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And, you know, since you mentioned Gus, I have to say I absolutely adored him. He is Sierra's pet Corgi, and he is just such a doll. He's got such a vivid personality. And I know in your acknowledgments, you mentioned that you have a Corgi named Aries yourself. So how much of Aries' personality inspired (laughs) Gus? Yeah, I was a lot, uh, a lot of it. Um, Aries is four years old. He's a Pembroke Welsh Corgi. And I don't know if you know, I mean, corgis, they're, they are, have a lot of fun. They have big personalities. They're herding dogs. So um, they really like people. Anyway, Aries does and Gus does. They just um, really just love people so much and then um, want to be where the action is. And they want to know where everybody is at all times. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Aries, he does, he obviously hates it when anyone leaves, but he's, gets very excited when people arrive and you know once you arrive and you're in in the house you're part of the herd and so he doesn't want you to leave Uh so yeah I mean so the fact that you know Gus would greet everybody and you know jump on their legs that's definitely Aries and I will say that there's um one example of where actually Aries um is like Gus instead of the other way around and that is that um, I wrote in the book that Gus would sleep at the foot of the bed uh-huh. um, of Sierra's bed. And at the time that I wrote that, I, you know, Aries did not ever jump up on the, my bed. Um, but since I wrote it, I don't know, somehow we got into that pattern where he likes to follow people around and you don't know where everybody's at. And so in the evening when I would come to bed, he would jump up on the bed and just kind of, you know, sleep at the foot of my bed. Um until later, my husband would come up and then he'd go downstairs. But I just thought that was kind of funny because yeah. when I wrote it, I'm like, you yeah, know, I don't have Aries sleep on the bed. But that's funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> life imitating art. Exactly. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. And I like, I'm a huge dog lover. I do love cats as well, but dogs just have this like pure loving energy that like nothing in the world really compares to. They're just such a, like a tremendous source of joy. And in my opinion, they are the ultimate cozy companions. Like I said it, listeners don't come for me, but I am definitely a, a dog person. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you do have to take care of dogs, so I mean, you can't. Mm-hmm. It's one thing you have to to think about. You can't really leave them alone for too long, and um, so he's definitely a big part of the story. Yeah, you know, coming along. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love when Gus goes along uh, with Sierra on adventures and helps with her cases. He's got like <laughs> one of the the what would you call it? like psychic kind of animals that we see in cozies where they like communicate with words. But he's definitely still a part of everything, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. It helps find the clues sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So like we mentioned earlier, Jess's latest novel in the Flower House mystery series, Fatal Flowers, is out now. Um, but before we sign off, Jess, do you want to tell our listeners what you're working on now and how they can connect with you online? Yeah, so I am working on a proposal for a new cozy mystery series. Um, you know, like I said, the publisher is not continuing with this one right now, but they're still interested in, um, working with me, which is great. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't want to say too much about it because it's not, you know, the, it's not a done deal yet, but, um, I, I'm still writing, excited to be putting together a new, uh, cozy series idea. So I will, I will just say stay tuned for that. Um, and I do have a newsletter. Um, I would say go to my website, which is jessdillon.com. That's J-E-S-S-D-Y-L-A-N.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter. I send one about once a month. Um, I have lots of freebies for people and, and any news that I have to share. Uh, I do post on Instagram every now and then and Facebook. So you can just find the links on my website probably the best way to go. Wonderful. Well, we'll be definitely keeping our fingers crossed for your book proposal. We can't wait to hear more news about all of that. And it has just been an absolute delight to have you on the show. I really appreciate your time and your willingness to chat with me. And, you know, I just can't wait to read more of your books. Oh, thank you so much, Christy. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. And listeners, also thank you for joining us. We will have another episode of Get Cozy Podcast for you very soon, so stay tuned. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.